Thanks, Ben. I missed another thing. Birthdays. It's a new year, Ben. Any other birthdays? That's good. That's good. Hey, it's great to see you. Do you want to just stand, take a stretch, and then just sit down again? Well, it's really nice to be here. How many have had a great holiday season? How many still have holidays just out in front of them? Oh, look at that. Oh, you lucky people. That's wonderful. Sandra and I have had a great holiday too, especially having my first, our first grandson born the other day. Um, he must be two weeks old now, which is really cool. So I was really empathizing with Isaac or with the parents being down here, um, watching it for the first time. Anna, I just think you're amazing. Where are you, Anna? You gone out now? Oh, look, I was there and uh, Helen and John were there and um, Anna was folding, washing. Um, the, all th three kids were there between the grandparents and there was just a mountain of washing and there was work happening and we were talking. Normally when I go to visit people, you know, we sit at a table or we sit in the lounge and things, but here's a young mum right in the midst of it and loving it, absolutely loving it. I do recommend those that haven't had children to have them. And go in the right process of doing it. God's way is always the best way. Always the best way. Hey, look, I want to just get us to stretch a little bit today. And this is the, the week where traditionally at the beginning of the year, I really try to say something that will motivate you to pray with me, for us to pray. And if possible, to fast and pray. And if you've never fasted, I want to encourage you on Tuesday, we're going to have a, a prayer meeting here, as Ben was saying, from 7 till 8 p.m. And it's the first of our monthly prayer meetings um, for this year. But why don't you fast before that? Why don't you just take that day and, and either do a Daniel fast just with food or do a no phone fast, which is probably harder these days? Um, or, or, um, or just completely don't eat for that day. And you can have a meal after the prayer meeting if you like, but just something that says, God, I'm serious about this. I want to encourage you. also want to encourage you to bring praying for the church and praying for the trust into your quiet times, your own prayer times um, that you're going to be having. I mean, prayer is like water to a fish. Without prayer, we can't be Christians. We can't live. We can't survive. We're, we're born again into a relationship. And, and prayer is like the water 
for us. And so what we're doing shouldn't be abnormal. It should just be ramped up normal. So we amp it. We make it better. And I want to encourage you to take it into that. But also, why don't you start your own prayer meeting? Invite 12 friends or 6 friends, or if you've only got one, invite her to come and pray with you this week and just make your own prayer meeting happen. Because, you know, if we don't invite God and ask for God to lead us, he'll take us at the level that we offer him, which will be very like last year and the year before and the year before. But if we were to, out of our hearts, say, God, God, what do you want? God, God, lead us. God, raise up new things amongst us in the church and in the trust so that what we see happening can, can be more effective, larger, more influential. He'll take us at our word. But it won't happen if I get excited and you don't. So why don't you say to the person next to you, how excited are you? Why don't you say to them, can I light a fire for you? And if you're not married and they're nice enough looking, take them out for a coffee to start that fire. And if you are married and there's no fire, take them out for a coffee to start that fire. You know, prayer is sometimes really easy, isn't it? You know, um, sometimes we just hear God. He's speaking to us. It's like a conversation. You, ask a, you, you say something, you ask a question, there's an answer back inside your head. It's, it's just like that. But there are other times, it's amazing when that happens, but there are other times where, we, where we're asking and, and we don't seem to hear anything at all. And, and, and there are times when we just have to press in and we have to believe and we have to keep, keep speaking about that thing for ages until God just suddenly speaks back into our lives. You know, that's the time when, when it's like circling. Um, you know, when, when, when we're praying about something and there's no answer, we don't just walk away. We go around Jericho again and again. I mean, I really circled when I was seeking God whether I could marry Sandra. I'd felt God say, pull back from the relationship. And then she went and got another boyfriend. <laughs> Only took her a week. What's with that? <laughs> I circled. I prayed. I prayed. Another time I prayed was where I felt God say, I want you to give up your surfing. I want you to sell your surfboard. And I was really keen on surfing in my 20s. And I said to God, God, if I've heard you right, then the only person I'll sell my surfboard to is Tim Pratt. And he has to ring me and ask for it. Well, you know, on Saturday, Tim Pratt rang me and asked for my surfboard. I, he said, I'm thinking of buying a board. I'd like to buy yours. Can I try it out? And I go, yeah. So he came around, picked it up. Took it away. I circled. God, you can't mean I'm selling my board. God, you've got you've to give me my surfing back. I won't put it first. I won't put it first. I won't put it first. I'll put you first in my life. I circled. And Tim Pratt came back after the weekend said, it's a nice board. I don't want to buy it. <laughs> Sometimes we've just got to hold on. Perseverance with things like that. Sometimes we're praying in tongues, aren't we? I mean, I love tongues when I'm out running jogging. 
And, and it just, you don't have to think, you're just praying, and, and it's, it's wonderful. There's different ways, there's different ways. But I think we do some real earnest prayer when we're in trouble. Trouble prayer just comes out of us, you know, where we just really pray and pray and pray. And I, I want to talk to you today about a type of prayer that the Bible has, uh, talks to us about, called shamelessly audacious prayer. Have you prayed any bold, shamelessly audacious prayers to God recently? Because we probably should have. You might think, where's shamelessly audacious prayer in the Scripture? Well, it is there. I'll get to it. But audacious isn't even a word that we use much. Robert used it this morning about audacious giving. Now, do you like audacious giving? Yeah, it's great theory. <laughs> when did we last get our wallet out and be audacious? But we, kept, we are encouraged in prayer to be shamelessly audacious in some of the things that we ask of God. Audacious means a willingness to, ta a willingness to take surprisingly bold risks in prayer. Or it even means showing an impudent Lack of respect to God. And, and if you see someone praying and with impudent lack of respect to God, religious attitude rides up and rises up and says, cut that out, cut that out. But God says, no, be shamelessly audacious. Let me give you a couple from history. Martin Luther, the man who started the whole Protestant movement, said, I besought the Almighty with great vigor, he wrote, and he said, I attacked him with his own weapons, quoting from Scripture all the promises I could remember that, that should be granted, and said, he must grant my prayer if I was henceforth to put faith in his promises. Have you ever prayed like that, where you get your Bible out, your phone, and you, you look at the Scripture and you say, God, you said it, so I'm asking you for it. Have you been praying prayers like that over your lifetime? On another occasion, Martin Luther, his good friend called Frederick Myconius, was sick. And apparently he was sick and possibly going to die. And Luther wrote to him. He said, I command you in the name of God to live. Because I still have need of you in the work of reforming the church. And he wrote a bit further on in his letter. And he said, the Lord will never let me hear that you are dead but will permit me to survive you. For this I'm praying. This is my will. And may my will be done. Because I only seek to glorify the name of God. And history tells us that Myconius got out of his sickbed and was well, served Luther in the starting up of the Protestant movement in the church. And he died about a month after Luther, Luther died. And then there's John Wesley, and John Wesley was the man who, who started the Methodist uh, church and, and just rocked Britain, just absolutely turned it around from what could have been uh, the same as the French with the French Revolution. It could have got very bloody. But John Wesley is credited as turning England around or, or Britain around, and he did it also in America. And he was, as he was crossing the Atlantic Ocean, contrary winds came up, and he was reading in his cabin when he became aware of some confusion on board. 
And when he learned that the winds were knocking the ship off course, he responded in prayer. And Adam Clark, a colleague, heard the prayer and recorded it. And this is what Wesley uh, prayed. He said, Almighty and everlasting God, thou hast sway everywhere, and all things serve thy, uh, the purpose of thy will. Thou holdest the winds in thy fists, and sittest upon the water floods, and reignest the king forever. Command these, these winds and these waves that they should obey thee, and take us speedily and safely to the haven where we would go. And Wesley then stood up from his knees, took up the book, and continued to read. And Dr. Clark went up on deck where he found calm, no, no wind, or no, the calm winds, and the ship on course. And he said, but Wesley made no remark about the answered prayer at all. And Clark wrote, so fully did he expect to be heard that he took it for granted that he was heard. So he went back to his reading. It's pretty audacious stuff. Now, does God really want us to pray, God, may my will be done because I'm doing your will? Does he want to get us to get that radical with him? So how bold are your prayers? Are there some audacious dreams that are within you that you need to bring out in prayer to God? Dreams that God's planted within you, but they could never happen unless you pray for them to happen. Things that are so wild and so big that only if God could involve could they possibly come to pass. I was talking with an ex-youth group girl that I hadn't seen for about 12 years um, uh, recently, or that I'd had this conversation with 12 years ago, and she's now happily married and living in another country, but she was back here at Christmas time. And, and I asked her about a dream that she had that she told me about of wanting to go to the mission field. And, and now she has a husband and three children. But you know what? When I was asking her about her dream for the mission field, I found that dream was absolutely still alive. She was training for missions, and she's been praying audaciously. And her husband is just as keen for the two of them to take their kids out and be on the mission field. And she's got a real sense of when and how. She's still praying audaciously, and she's working towards it, and she will get there. So what's in you? And what's in me? What dream has God planted? You know, on Monday night, someone came to the elders' uh, meeting with a, a sickness issue for someone else. And I found myself praying audaciously, where I just was going, God, help! You've got to help! You say in your word you will. You've got to help this person. Open doors that this can take place. You know, when I was fighting the insurance companies uh, back in 2012, 2013, you're faced with unchanging circumstances. You write your best letters. You get Hugh Swaney to write your best letters, and you sign your name as if you've written it. <laughs> and they still say no. And I remember some times when, when in all the contrast of that, because trouble prayers don't just make it smooth sailing usually, there's usually a whole battle that goes forward, seven months of praying and believing and then seeing the healing come was what we heard today. Troubled prayers. But I remember some audacious things where I wanted to say all these words about insurance brokers, not brokers, insurance companies. Because of the no they were saying about a, a house in a red zone. 
And then the breakthrough comes after some of those audacious prayers. God, you've got to. God, I'm your son. We're your family, God. This is yours. Can you fix it? Those kind of audacious prayers. Now, boldness in prayer is, un is uncomfortable for many people. We think of speaking softly to God, humbling ourselves before God, or having a chat with God. But agonizing before Him, storming heaven with prayers, pounding on the door of the Most High, wrestling with God, or maybe more fully, wrestling with the thought that the enemy's holding you up, God. The enemy's holding up, like in Daniel. What your will is on the planet. God, you've got to come through. God, your word says. Isn't such prayer actually irreverent and presumptuous? Well, it would be if God hadn't encouraged us to pray this way in both the Old and the New Testament. And I want to show you it in the, in the New Testament. Can we have that scripture come up, please? One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he'd finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you guys pray, pray this, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us this each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. So that's the pattern we are to pray. But then he goes on and he says, and I also want you to be absolutely audacious in your prayers and what you ask of me. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go out to him at midnight and you say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine has come on a journey and has, and has come to me and I have no feed, food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children and I are in beds. I can't get up and give you anything. Well, Jesus says this. He says, I tell you, even though he won't get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Can we go on to the next picture? You can't go to Israel without having a few slides. And um, this is, uh, this is uh, down in Beersheba, and it's where Abraham had his wells and things. And this is a town. This is a whole town of a whole lot of houses. And this line here is a house. See the pillars in the middle? That's the foundations of a house. It's only about four and a half, maybe five meters along by maybe five or six meters. So it's not big. And yet it's two rooms. The whole thing is, is about five by five, 25 squares. Let's say it's 30 squares. It's the size of your lounge. It's their whole house. So when he's illustrating that someone's standing outside the door, show us, the, show us another one. So here's this, here's this house of two, maybe it's three rooms with two lots of pillars that are there. It's tiny. Someone's standing outside the door. There's no double glaze. Everybody hears. And this friend of yours is standing there going, hey, wake up, wake up, wake up. Friends come, need food. Wake up, wake up. Shameless audacity. He's not only disturbing that family. You see, the father and mother are in bed, and the kids have probably got uh, sort of uh, portable beds in the lounge. So to, for them to get up, they wake the whole family up. But he's waking them up anyway. Think of it in modern-day terms. You've been dating your boyfriend. 
or you've been dating your girlfriend for, for you guys and um, you need to take her home but you've lost your car keys. So you wander down to your parents' bedroom and you start banging on the door. Wake up, wake up, I've got to take her home. It's two in the morning. Shameless audacity. I haven't got any petrol in my car, I need to use yours. Wake up, wake up, bring me the keys. That's what he's describing that's there. This is men out of shameless audacity. Well, your father will get up in the middle of the night and go, take her home. Not because you're his son, but because he wants to sleep. He's had enough of this banging on his door. He heard it from the very. He heard it when you were tiptoeing down and thinking, "Should I yell?" Do you get it? God's saying we can pray like this. When was the last time you prayed like this for something? When you get cancer, when you when you face something that that is beyond human ability maybe to be able to fix when when you're in deep trouble shameless audacity is good to know we can come to God in that way and with perseverance and persistence we can we can keep praying and he said he says this so I say to you ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and the door will be open to you he's talking about prayer to God not just hey God you're talking what do you want But no, I've got an issue, God. I've got a problem, God. You've got to come and sort this out. You've got to to break through in this circumstance for me. And the the thing with the, they tell us with the verbs in this, um, everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds. It it means everyone, it's, it's in a plural form that is continuous. Now, I'm not great on English language, so for those of you that understand what I'm saying, good. But for the rest of us, it means ask and keep on asking, knock and keep on knocking, seek and keep on seeking, and you will get an answer. Isn't that cool? And then he next on, he links the involvement of the Holy Spirit. This next passage just doesn't seem to fit, but it's part of the passage. But it links the fact that the Holy Spirit gets involved in the prayer as well, in our praying even, and certainly in the receiving. And he says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So Jesus starts with this model of prayer, and then he goes on and he says, but be shamelessly audacious in what you ask of me. But the model of prayer is really simple. It's two priorities. We're to give honor and glory or worship to God. We would say today, worship to God where we're worshipping him. We're not just singing. We're worshipping him with our words. Worshipping him. And then we're to pray for his kingdom to come, that his rule would touch and even invade our world and all the world outside, and that the resources that we need to see that happen, we'd ask for them so that we can actually be able to give it and do it. So giving worship to God is what God says, this is how we're to pray. And the first part is just a a sentence. Hallowed be our Father, hallowed be your name. But it's all about creating that connection with God through worshipping him. 
Derek Prince said uh, years ago, he said, if you've only got 10 minutes to pray, then worship for eight, and you'll pray better prayers for the last two minutes. Why is it? Because when we worship with an open heart, we connect. And the Holy Spirit comes upon us, and His anointing comes upon us. I've found it over and over and over again. I go into a prayer meeting, I begin to worship, I think of the things, and I want to pray the things that I know, but all of a sudden, a flow of life-giving prayer comes from the Spirit Himself. And we find ourselves praying and asking for things that have been spirit-led, not flesh-led. And one of the biggest problems with, with saying we're going to have a great year this year is to think that we can design it. Because the things that we come up with, our best ideas on how to do the will of God and accomplish what God wants in our lives, count for very, very little. It's pride. It's human nature to, to think, God, you've done a good thing saving me. I can help you out. I'll bring the kingdom. I know what to do. And God goes, uh, I'd rather you actually just connected with me for a bit and let me flow through you and give you my ideas than you think that your ideas are the ones to go on with. And so this week, that's what we're asking. We're beginning to worship and asking, God, what do you want to see happen? God, who, who, who's got God dreams? God, would you give people ideas that will literally touch and transform the community? And then we're to actually pray that, that the kingdom of God will come amongst us. You know, Jesus said this. He stood up, got the scroll in Nazareth, which I never went to, but I want to on the next time I go. See, I'm saying it now. On the next time I go to Israel. On the next time Miriam and I go to Israel with Sandra. <laughs> and a lot of you. Well, that's real faith stuff, isn't it? What if it were true? What if it could be? Anyway, he's in Nazareth. He picks up the scroll, and this is what he reads. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind and to set the, the oppressed or the slaves free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the devil has messed the world up. Do I have any amens? And God has commissioned Jesus, and Jesus has commissioned us to turn it the right way up, to the level and the degree that we have influence. We can turn our families right way up. Young people, young uh, parents that were sitting here have got a goal to turn their families the right way up and not let the world write all over the, the hearts and, and souls of their children. That's better preaching than you're responding. God desires the church. His desire is that the church help the poor to stand up on their own two feet, not just with a hand out, but sometimes that's necessary, but with a hand up so that they know how to fish, Mike. You could take people to show them how to fish so they can catch their own fish. You know what I mean. And he desires to see injustice issues sorted out. And he desires that the church 
Help those that are caught in the nets of addiction. That's the people under slavery. Uh, to be released and to be able to find how to get out into work and earn, for, earn money for a living and to find the fulfillment that work brings into people's lives. And he wants Christians to help shape godly laws in New Zealand's parliament and in all the, all the settings that help to make the parliament and sort it to, to happen in the, in the departments that are there. And he wants the church to help marriages to become reconciled where they've become fresh, fragmented and are heading in different directions. And he wants those marriages to grow strong because the church is able to illustrate it with their lives and with their practical help. And he, and he wants uh, parents to be great parents. And he wants people who are just living together um, to, to be able to see uh, how good it is to actually be married and to make those commitments to each other so that they're on something solid to be able to set the rest of the course of their life on. And they come and they say, hey, we've been living together, but we want this thing called marriage. We can see in the people around us how actually, how good it is and how, how helpful it is. And, and he wants all these things. He wants the place and role and value of women to be, continue to be elevated. And I would say even to be seen as an equal to a man. Hello. And God desires to see his favor released over communities, even over, over towns, even over suburbs, even over a city, for his favor to be released. And who has he said is to do it? You and me. So God asks us to bring his world, the kingdom that's up in heaven, and see it established down here. But we don't do it because, God, I've got a great idea. Will you please bless it? But no, I've been listening to you, God, and you've spoken to me, and I've heard something, and I'm going to, in faith, step out with a bit of weak need wobbling, but I'm going to do what you've said, and it'll only come. If we pray out some of the audacious things that are in our heart, that are God things that he's already placed within us there. We pray those things out and we say, God, God, even if I don't have anything particularly audacious in my mind, what do you want for this year for the trust? What do you want this year? What are the ministries, God, the new things that you want to raise up? What what what? Would you raise up people who are carrying God ideas in their hearts and lives? That's where he wants it to start. And that's where his blessing can begin to flow, flow, flow over our lives. So will you join me this week as the band comes? And especially make this week a week of prayer for the church and for the trust. Will you pray in your own quiet times and, and just bring the church to, uh, before God and say, God, God, release your will. What's your will to be in the church and the trust for this year? Will you raise up people of vision in the church and the trust this year? Will you do that, God? And if you can, will you fast on, on Tuesday and will you come and just be part of the 7 to 8-ish prayer meeting? It won't be long, but but it'll be around that time on Tuesday. And I really want to encourage you, those of you that are sitting on something like that young teenager in our youth group was, this desire to be in another country and to make such a difference that people will come to Christ. You and I have only got one life. Anyone got two on this planet? Okay, there's no hands. We can play it safe. 
One day we can get to heaven and we can rock up and we can smile at Jesus and say, Jesus, I played it safe. I'm here. But the reward, but the fulfillment that God wants us to have will only come if we say, God, Jesus, I messed up a bit. But man, you and I together made such a difference in our lifetime, my lifetime. Society is better because of the things that we did together. And I know that there's people in heaven and there's people following me who are here only because I spoke about you and you gave me the privilege of leading them to come to know you as Lord and Savior as well. Which life do you want? It starts, and I mean this figuratively because I hardly ever pray on my knees, but it starts... from a heart of worship. God, I'm not going to let you go until something fresh comes from heaven for this church. God, what do you want? God, I've got this thing that I'm almost scared to say to you. But God, it's so big, unless you were to cause it to happen, it could never happen. I'm going to take a risk, God, and I'm just going to tell you what I think I'd love to see happen in this next coming year. I'm going to take a risk, God, about what I, what I think I'd love to see happen in my lifetime. And you begin, to, you begin to go after that. Will you join me and make this week a week of fun? Look, I've been praying about poo. I got a text Wolfie, my little grandson, he can't poop properly. Will you pray that he, that he poops? I think Jesus has laughed a lot with me this week as I've been praying. Yesterday I got a text saying, stop praying. <laughs> He's doing fine. God's interested in it all. Will you join me?